I want to share with you some uh, just exciting news uh, that stems from last weekend, kind of give you an update on a couple things. First of all, which I think is the most exciting from last weekend, is that uh, uh, 24 people responded last week either making a commitment or making a recommitment to uh, allowing Jesus Christ to be Lord of their lives. And so, for me, that exactly... That... That is why I'm here, and, and um, I hope that's why you're here, too, to see, to see that life change take place within people's lives. In addition to that, over the month, we asked you to pray about uh, uh, us taking our Easter uh, giving and, and giving that away to provide someone hope uh, within our community uh, or just get to provide someone hope. And so I just want to share with you that uh, last weekend, uh, that giving total was $12,989. And with that, we are taking that and giving it, uh, just completely giving it away and, and trying to provide hope in someone's life. With that being said, uh, we are still uh, discerning uh, where that's going to go. However, uh, we do have one situation that we are going to provide hope to, or one uh, family we're going to provide hope to. Uh, there, uh, many of you know or have heard us talk about Beth McAuliffe. Beth McAuliffe is um, the representer, I guess you would say, of uh, teen homelessness here in Lenawee County. And for some reason, teen homelessness is is an incredible issue here uh, in our in our community. And so. Uh, with that, uh, she made us aware of a mother with three kids who are homeless. And her, ki- her three kids, uh, the oldest being eight, uh, five, and the youngest being 18 months, are without home. And so as she shared that with us, she shared that, she said, you know, she said, uh, this is someone that I have confidence in. This is someone that really needs that really needs a home. This is someone that, that has a need. And she said, you know, she really uh, believes in this woman and is really working hard with this woman. So as she made us aware of that, we, we really prayed about it. And, and it just it was from some of your guys' response and just from prayer and everything, it just seemed like this was something God was saying, meet this need. And so with that, we are going to pay her rent for a total for, for a year. Uh, which is a total of $6,000. And so we're taking 6000 of that total, 12989 and paying this woman's uh, rent for a year so that she can just take her income and focus on her family and the needs that she has uh, with her family. So I'm excited about that. I hope you guys are too, because uh, when we told that to Joe, Pastor Joe talked to Beth uh, McAuliffe, and when he said that, uh, he said that Beth was absolutely blown away and speechless by what we are doing. And we're not doing that to impress Beth, but we are doing that to, um, to help someone in need. And so for me, that is just so exciting to uh, be able to, to provide hope uh, for someone who has shattered hope. And so please continue to pray for that family as we reach out to her and, uh, and tell her that God loves her. Uh, so anyhow. I just want to share those things with you. We're in a series uh, called End of the Rope, End of Your Rope, and this is something that we're, uh, it's coming from, from Easter. And with that, would turn with me to First Peter, uh, that letter and, uh, that Peter wrote. And if you didn't bring your Bible, lean forward, grab one on the back of the pew. And if you go towards Revelation, the last book of the Bible, and back up a few, you're going to run into uh, Peter's uh, writing. And we're going to take a look at his first letter uh, to the, uh, as we said last week, to... Uh, some Christians that are that that have been dispersed. Um, 
when we take a look at, uh, last week we used uh, a portion of uh, the first chapter to talk about this living hope, and, and as we have this living hope living inside of us, and we're, and we're placing our hope and our faith and our trust upon, upon that living hope, it fills us with this incomprehensible and or inexpressible and glorious joy. And as we talk about that, Peter, Peter um, uh, you know, setting all of that up, he, he kind of, you know, he talked about this whole testing process of, of, the, of someone's faith. And so today we're going to continue with that theme and, and his writing to these individuals. Uh, and, and, um, but, but first I want to say this. As we take a look at this, and we're going to see throughout his writing today in particular, the Bible, as we read the Bible, one of the things, however you want to coin it, however you want to articulate it, the Bible talks about this concept of flesh versus the spirit. You know what I'm saying? Throughout the Bible as we read it, we, we, we see this concept of our flesh and God's spirit. And when, and when God's Spirit comes and lives inside of us, there's this battle that Paul talks about, this, this war that rages uh, inside of us. And so w- whether you call it flesh versus spirit, or you call it we- whether you call it darkness versus light, the old versus new, whatever you call it, it the Scriptures refer to, to this, 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 this real thing taking place, the, 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 these two entities that, that, are, that, are, that are going up against one another. And so I just want to share this with you today, and this is where we're heading in this particular talk, is this. If you're a believer, if you're sitting here this morning and you're a Christian, you're a believer, and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, I want to say this. You have been freed from the old side. Okay? And that's what we're going to take a look at today. You've been freed from the old side. There are those two sides that we talk about, the flesh and the spirit. The one side that, can, that, that seems to control, the one side that wants to take you into the dark areas, the one side that wants you to be defeated, the one side that wants to keep you discouraged, the one side that wants to keep your thoughts negative and all this other stuff. You have been freed from that. You have been freed from that. And as we take a look at Peter's writing, that's what he's encouraging or what he's really instructing these, these, um, these Christians because they're going through some rough times and instead of them giving in, Peter's challenging them to be different, to be holy. And so this morning as we take a look at this, I'm going to pick up in verse 13 of chapter 1 and then read through verse 2 of chapter 2. Follow along with me if you will in, cha- in um, verse 13. He says this, Therefore prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it is not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through Him you believe in God, who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable though the living and enduring word of God. For all men like, are like grass, and all the glories like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave, uh, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation 
now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. The thing I want to share with you today is this. Peter's message is, is he's calling out, as he's, as he's talking to these disciples, is you may be at the end of your rope, and the temptation may be there to slide back into your old ways. The temptation may be there to say, what is the use? The temptation may be there to say, you know what? I can't pull this off. And yet he challenges them and says this, I want you to be holy. Be holy because God is holy. Be holy because the scriptures say, you know, God refers to himself. Be holy because I am holy. And so this is the challenge that I want to share with you today as he shared with those uh, individuals so long ago is, is this concept of being different. And, and by being different, the, the first thing I want to share with you is this. You have been made, you have been made new. In uh, the message paraphrase, in verse, in verse 14, it articulates it like this. Don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, but you do now. As obedient children, let yourself be pulled into a way of life shaped by God's life, a life energetic and blazing with holiness. Paul would say this in 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. Guys, this is a fundamental concept that we have to make sure that we are grabbing a hold of as Christ followers. And that is this. We have been made new. We are no longer slaves to the old. We are no longer part, we are no longer controlled by that or have to be controlled by that old side, but we are now new. We have been made new in Jesus Christ. We have this, we have been born again. We have this new life for us. And so that challenge is there to say this. Are we changing? As we take a look at our lives, as you look at your life, are there things where you can look at your life and say, you know what, I am a new creation. Not just based upon fact, but I'm a new creation out of experience. I'm a new creation because as I go through trials, as I go through temptations and suffering and things that are not pleasant within my life, I don't react to them like I used to. You see, that's, that's part of the litmus test, isn't it? Peter's saying, you're new. You have this living hope living this, this living hope inside of you now. You have this you should have this inexpressible and glorious joy living inside of you. So when you go through these things, don't slip back, don't lazily slide back into your old way, but move forward and continue to be uh, the person you are in your new way. And he says, "Be holy." Holiness is a scary word at times. Some of us totally misunderstand what holy means. And we're going to talk about this more in the few, here in the next couple of weeks. But holy literally means to be set apart. Where we were once part of this here, where we were once doing everything wrong, where we were once doing things that are absolutely in contrast to what God wants, and God has taken us out of, out of the, the, the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and has set us apart for something completely different, given us a, uh, like a do-over, given us an opportunity to start over again. We are new. We are a new creation. We are being set apart. But the question is this, guys. Are we lazily sliding back into it? Do we lazily slide back into our old way? Do we lazily come back here and we talk the way we used to talk? Do we lazily come back here and think the way we used to think? Do we lazily come back here and deal with things the way we used to deal with things? Or are we embracing this concept that we've been made new? You see, that's a challenge. That's a litmus test. Think about the last time that your faith was tested. Think about the last time that th- something happened within your life that went unpredictable, that you weren't in control of. How did you deal with it? 
Did you deal with it in a way that says, I am a new creation? Or did you lazily slide back into the old way? We've had the, um, uh, since we've had our baby, we've had some, uh, some family members come and stay for a week at a time. And this past week, my folks uh, came out. And so, uh, as I was thinking about this talk, I was really kind of, kind of gearing up for it. But uh, uh, my dad and I uh, went to Ikea yesterday and purchased a uh, chest of drawers. Now, I don't know if you are, are um, if you kind of fall in this category can relate, but we purchased this chest of drawers that was probably about two sizes uh, of, this grand, or of this baby grand piano, right? And it came in a box about this size. You ever had that, uh, that uh, happen to you? Some of you know that if you do that, you will lose your faith, so you buy it already assembled, right? Right? Just be honest. I wanted to test mine, so I bought, I bought it, and you know, I bring it home in some boxes, and my dad's there, and I thought, you know what, I'm a grown man, my dad and I can work together again, right? And I'm going to see how this goes. And so, you know, I kind of solicited his help, and I said, you know, would you like to help me put this thing together? And he's like, yeah, I think we can do that. And uh, I'll just say this, in the past, we did not work well together, Okay. Uh, we uh, would often end up uh, in, a, in a little feud. I know that you guys never, that's never happened to you. But anyhow, my dad and I would, uh, you know, it would really test both of our faiths when we worked together. And so anyhow, we put this together, and we did a great job. We didn't argue or anything like that. And, and what's funny, what, what's funny looking back on it, you know, my, my wife and my, my mom, uh, I would hear, overhear them talking in the background, and I would hear them saying things like, well, they haven't even argued yet. You know, they, they're still working together and it's getting, it's getting completed, you know. And so as we were putting together, you know, I laugh about that. But it's, it, you know, it's, it's, it's in times like that, or I shouldn't say like that, but yes, it is times like that. But there are times when our faith, is, when, it's, when it's really tested, when, when we're in situations, how do, you know, how do we act? How do we conduct ourselves? Does that make sense? And, and Peter says this, you've been made new. Now, when I look back at what Peter's talking to, the, the, the audience that he's talking to, they're facing things a little bit different than what I'm facing. They're facing things that I think if there was ever a time or, or a reason to really question what you did, it would be one of those times where you put all your faith and hope into something and now you're being literally literally attacked for your faith and your life is at jeopardy. I could very easily see someone saying, I, you know, this is, this is really, this is, you know, having second guesses about things. But he looks at those, he, he writes to those individuals and he says, you know what, you're new, you're different. Be holy. Don't revert back, don't slide back, but, but continue on in the faith. And so, the, and, then, and then this is the other thing that we need to be uh, cognitive of is this. Being different is a discipline. It's going to be tough. Living God's way is never an easy way. It's not an, e- it's not an easy plan. It's not an easy path. And we have this temptation, again, to slide back to the old. Guys, I think this is why Jesus often said in the new, you know, when he was walking around the flesh, I, oft, I, I convinced that this is why he told people to really think about the commitment they're making. Because number one, you know, don't commit to something and then not really follow through with it. But on the second thing, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take a commitment to follow him. Because it's not going to be easy. There's going to be times where you're persecuted, as, as, as the Word teaches. There's going to be times where, where literally the gates of hell just come against you and want to, and want to destroy you. 
But we need to have that, that concept to understand this is a discipline. It's not something where we just make a decision and we just kind of kick back and we say, okay, I made the decision, now everything's going to be great. There's really two extremes here. There's the discipline side and then there's a drifter side. The discipline side says, you know what, I'm going to commit to this. I'm going to really, I'm going to uh, try, try my hardest to live in harmony with what God wants to do within my life. And there's the other side that says, well, I've got my card, I've got my ticket, my ticket's been punched, I'm going to heaven, so I'm just going to kick back and, and dog it out until Jesus returns. And that's not what the Bible teaches, but the Bible teaches that it's a disciplined way, that we're not, that it's going to be tough, that tough at times, and not to drift, not to drift back into that temptation of the old. And Peter knows this, and I believe this is what Peter's saying in verse 13 when he says this. So roll up your sleeves, the message translation says. Roll up your sleeves, put your mind in gear, be totally ready to receive the gift that's coming when Jesus arrives. The second thing, or the third thing would be this. Prepare for the different life. Prepare for it. Peter's saying it's not, going to, it's not the time to take it easy to kick back, but roll up your sleeves and prepare for this. The uh, NIV translation says, put your mind into action. Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Prepare yourself for this life. I think one of the saddest things that happens is when individuals commit their lives to Jesus Christ and instead of really kicking in and understanding that this is a different way of living, that this is a disciplined life, that, that we have to prepare for this different life, they just kind of start coasting and the next thing you know, Satan's got them drifting back and Satan's got them deceived and the enemy's circling them and saying, who are you? You're just like who you've always used to be. And, and, and keeps them discouraged, keeps them to the point to where they just kind of fall out. And that's exactly what Satan wants to do to us. He has no grace, no mercy, no kindness. He's laughing as we fall away. Because, and we fall right back into the temptations of the old. But the key is this. We have been made new. We have the power, the ability to live this life that God has called us to. To live in this sense of freedom. To live in a sense of victory. But it's going to take discipline. And it's going to take the, the, our minds being prepared to live this different, different life. The, and... And uh, we must never forget, as Peter reminded, that God paid a high price for us. In verses 18 and 19, he says this, God paid a ransom to save you from the impossible road to heaven, which your, for, which your fathers tried to take. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver, as you very well know. But he paid for you with the precious lifeblood of Jesus, the, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Peter's saying this, God paid a very high price for you. You are different. You're part of his family now. He's called you. He's, he's, he's chosen you to be a part of his family. So begin to act like it. So here's the question then. What does it, what, when, we, when we talk about this uh, being different, what does that look like? Being set apart, being holy. How do we do that? How do we live in harmony with God in this? Well, the first one is this. Discipline yourself with love. Discipline yourself with love. Verse 22 says, Now you can have a real love for everyone because your souls have been cleansed from selfishness and hatred when you trusted Christ to save you. So see to it that you really do love each other warmly with all your hearts. Peter's saying this. I'm going to throw a litmus test at you. And I'm going to throw a high one at you. You've been made new. Prepare yourself now and give it an action step. Love one another. Now, I don't know about you guys, but this is one of the toughest things that we can do, is it not? There's times when I'm not lovable, and there's times when you're not lovable. 
And if there's one thing that we will slap conditions on real quick, that's our love, is it not? You hurt me, you don't deserve my love. Done. Is that not how we operate? Is that not how a lot of marriages operate? Peter says, you have been made new. You've been made new. You've been set apart. Now I want you to become holy. And I want you to love each other deeply. John 13, 35 says this. Jesus says this in the word of John, or the book of John. He says, others will know that you're my followers by the love that you have for one another. I think one of the hardest things we can do at times is is love one another. I think it's what, this whole concept of love can be extremely difficult for us. Very difficult for us. I think part of the reason is because we become deceived at times and we think this. Well, I'll love you as long as you agree with everything that I say or do. If you agree with all of my preferences, and I can agree with all your preferences, then I'll love you. And I don't, I, I, again, I believe that's where Satan begins to deceive us because I don't believe that's what the Word of God teaches. I believe that we are all different. I believe that, you know, as Paul talks about, uh, all of us are like, you know, uses the metaphor of the body, that we are all extremely different. I think all of us are going to have different dislikes. I think all of us are going to have different likes. But the one thing that we agree upon is the fact that Jesus Christ is what's the most important thing in life. And that's what we agree upon. And that's what we unite in. And that's what we love each other with, is the love that Jesus Christ has placed inside of us. Love one another, and people will know that you're my followers. Do you want to be different? Do you want to be holy? It starts with love. Do we love one another? Do you love one another warmly? There's a story of a man who was not a Christian, and he went to report uh, on the early church movement. And this individual went to a compound, this is a true story, individual went to a compound where a bunch of Christians were living together. And when he went into this compound, the thing he wanted to do was to refute this whole new way of living, this, the, the, this whole Christian mindset and concept. And as they lived together, he was intending to come out of that place uh, as he observed and, 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 live, and, and was around them. He wanted to come out and write something very, very negative about these individuals. But instead, he came out and wrote six words that had an incredible impact on church history. Those six words were these. Behold how they love one another. Behold how they love one another. I wonder if someone came into our world, into our secular world, came into our Christian community, what they would write. Would they say, behold how they judge one another? Behold how they criticize one another? Behold how they fight with one another? Behold how they hurt one another? Or would they look at us and say, behold how they love one another? Being set apart, being different, being holy is to love one another warmly. And I'll confess to you guys, I will confess to you right now and just really be transparent with you. One of the hardest things for, for I think, pastors and, 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 things, and one of the things that I can struggle with at times is this one right here. Because as soon as someone says something negative to me, what I want to do is I want to put my wall up. I want to put my guard up. Just like everybody else does. And I want to hold people at arm's length. I want to hold you at arm's length because you said something that hurt me. And I'm not trying to chastise here or anything. I, this is more me. And this is where someone came into my life not too long ago and said, you can't do that. That's not your option to do that. Well, let me give you the reasons why I do that. Let me give you the reasons why that I can erect the wall up. Let me give you the reasons why that that person hurt me and I'm going to hold them at arm's length now. Doesn't matter. We're called to love one another deeply. And so maybe that's a confession from me to you to say that if I've done that to you, I confess and I ask for your forgiveness. 
Because that is an area that is so easy to do. Because once we get hurt, it's so easy to hold each other at arm's length and say, you know what? I'll love you, but I'm going to love you from a distance. And that's not what Peter's saying here. Peter's saying, you have been made new. And love one another with the love that Christ has placed inside of your life. By the way, the only way that I'm ever going to be able to love you, the only way you're going ever to be able to love me and love each other is that our hearts have been radically changed by God. I can't change your heart. You can't change your heart. The only thing that can happen uh, for you to be able to love with this deep kind of love is that Christ gets a hold of your heart and gives you that humble and contrite heart. But Peter says, you have been made new. You've been set apart. So we need to discipline ourselves with, with love. We discipline ourselves with words. And these two kind of go together because uh, it says here, be sure then you are never spiteful or deceitful or hypocritical or envious and critical of each other. And we can think about this on you know, how we display these with our words. Because a lot of times our words does just that. Our words are not filled with love. Our words are not filled with this deep love towards other individuals. But our words at times can be filled with, with spite and, and, and dis, uh, uh, you know, uh, being deceitful and hypocritical and envious. Jesus said this, you will know a person's heart by the words that come from his or her mouth. How does our heart measure up to these? How does your heart measure up to these? The last one I want to share with you is this, the discipline with the desire for God's Word. In chapter 2, verse 2, he says this, Be like newborn babies, always thirsty for the pure spiritual milk, so that by drinking it, you may grow up and be saved. What an incredible image that is. That image that we're thirsty for the spiritual milk. You know, I'll say this, guys, and I, you know, I'm a proud father, man. Just having a baby, I'm a proud father. And one of the things that I've noticed about having a baby and being around a baby is that they eat and sleep. That's all they do. Is it not? They do another thing, but I'll spare the details on that. But they eat and they sleep. And when a baby is hungry, you pretty much know when they're hungry, right? Those of you that have kids, those of you that maybe have a baby now, you know when the baby's hungry. They wake up, they eat, then they get back to sleep. And they cry until you feed them, right? I wonder how many of us sitting here this morning are like that when it comes to the Word of God. Maybe some of us fall in that other camp where we're always sleeping when it comes to the Word of God. But I wonder how many of us in here this morning crave that spiritual milk that only God's Word can provide. Maybe that's why some of us are fussy. Maybe that's why some of us are, are, are just disgruntled. Maybe that's why some of us become so frustrated at times. Maybe that's why we become so discouraged at times as Christ followers. Maybe that's why we become depressed at times. Maybe that's why we become so deceived at times is because we don't crave the spiritual milk that comes from the Word of God. We don't spend the time nurturing on the, the, that, that spiritual milk that God gives us. Remember when you were first saved? Remember when you first committed your life to Christ? There was this desire to just eat and devour this. It's like we, we sit down, we read, we can't get enough of it. And then after a period of time, we begin to kind of wean off of it. We begin to slide back and we begin to allow other things to take uh, a time over, over this right here over really craving what the Word of God has to to give us, that nourishment that that God gives us. One of the things I ask staff every week, and one of the things that I ask the elders every time we meet is, 
Where, where's the la- what's the last thing you read in the Word of God and how has that changed your life? What is God communicating to you? Because I believe that God's Word literally changes. I don't believe we ever reach a point to where we say, you know what, I've arrived, I'm there, I, there's nothing else that can be changed. I just had a discussion with an individual that's going to be 70 years old, and this person said, you know what, my last prayer to God is, is, is or the, the prayer that I've been praying to God is this, God, show me the area in my life that I need to continue to change. Show me the area that you want to change. The person's 70 years old, been following Christ for 50-some years. And they still have a prayer that says, show me where I'm sliding back into my old patterns and where I need to change. And that person said God revealed to to them that there are some attitudes they have that need to be changed. I applaud people like that. Because they haven't got to this point that says, well, I've arrived. I'm at this age. I've been following Christ for this long. There's nothing else left to change in my life. I applaud people who say, you know what? I crave the spiritual nourishment that comes from feeding on the Word of God. You see, that's when lives are going to be changed. That's when your life's going to be changed. That's when your heart's going to melt. That's when your life, your heart is going to become humble and contrite is when you're feeding on the Word of God. That's when you're going to become less frustrated. That's when, you're, when things within your life, when, you're, when, when things that really get you, when things really grab you, when things really discourage you, when those things begin to take less importance is when you're feeding on the Word of God and God's molding you and changing. I wonder how many of us look to this as a baby, a newborn baby, thirsting for the pure spiritual milk that it provides. That's when we begin to live a different life. When we become thirsty, always thirsty for what the Word of God gives us. As I close, I just want to say this. I know that I I think Peter is one individual that has every right to pen out a message or to pen out words as he did. Because when you take a look at his life, here was a guy that when he was following Christ, he was kind of a loud mouth at times. He would say things right off the cuff. I think he had good intentions, but he was, he was just always in the moment. He cut the soldier's ear off because he was wanting to defend Christ. At one time, he looked at Jesus and said, there's no way you're ever going to wash my feet. He, he would just say what he thought. And I think his heart was there. I think he had, he had good intentions. But something, some, you know, and, and the one thing we, we, we often think of when we think of the life of Peter is when he denied Jesus three times at the end of Jesus' life. But something radically happened to Peter after the resurrection of, of Jesus, something radically different happened. Peter's heart was absolutely transformed. And I think if there's anybody that can take a look to say this, guys, don't slide back into the old way of life, I think it's Peter, because I think that was very fresh within his mind. Don't slide back to your old ways. Don't do it. Stay encouraged. You're new. You've been made new. You don't have to be controlled by those old desires again. That old flesh. Grab a hold of the realities that God is making new to you every single day as you crave His spiritual milk. We're going to close with a word. We're going to close with another song. And and it's called Amazed. And anybody, some of you are sitting here this morning, But anyone sitting in here this morning 
that grabs a hold and understands what God has done in their life, this song should be an outpouring of your soul. Because when you realize and you recognize who you truly are and what God has done within your life, how does it not, how does His love not amaze you? So I pray that as we engage with this song that you would just make it the prayer of your heart and just allow God's Spirit to really connect with your spirit as we close with this song.